G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. When Christmas is done and dusted, what do you do with it? Put it back in the cupboard with decorations for next year? Or do you let the message of Christmas burn on in your heart? Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today, let's pause for a moment together just to drink in what this whole Christmas thing should mean. No, let's speak that in faith is going to mean for the rest of our lives from here to eternity. And please do stay tuned because in just a few minutes, I'll be sharing something truly special with you to help you live in victory on those days when the daily grind of life just seems to be grinding away at you more than it should be. So how have you gone in those busy weeks leading up to Christmas? Did you enjoy yourself or was the stress just too much? Was it a kind of a rich experience or did the cares of this world, all that stuff, you know, that we do leading up to Christmas, did it rob you of the Christmas you think that you should have had? Over these last few weeks on the program, we've been working our way through a series of messages that I've called Message in a Bottle. The whole Christmas story was born out of the shepherd heart of God, the heart of God to draw us into his arms. Have a listen to the the scripture that we used in the first program three weeks ago, Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 11. And by the way, if you have a Bible, grab it, open it up, because we're going to spend some time in God's word today. This is what Ezekiel wrote. This is what God said. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on the day of clouds and darkness. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. God has this heart like a shepherd does for his flock of sheep to look after us and to care for us and to love us. And out of that is born this incredible story of Christmas. You know how it all came about, Joseph and Mary, these two young people, ordinary people, nobodies like you and me, called to bring Jesus into the world. Not a king and queen, a teenage girl and a young carpenter. Now, All the stories of of Christmas, I guess, are as familiar to all of us as breathing in and out every day. I mean, we go through Christmas each year. But when you scratch underneath them, which is what we've been doing the last few weeks on the program, I don't know, there's a gritty reality of life in the story of Christmas. It's a kind of a surprise. I mean, Mary is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. It's a virgin birth. And there was a, a prophecy centuries before that Jesus would be born to a virgin. The prophet Isaiah wrote in chapter 7, verse 14 of Isaiah, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with a child, and she will give birth to a son. Great. 
You look at it from 2,000 years on as we do and you think, well, there's a virgin birth and that's what happened and that was God's story. But back then, imagine the shame that she went through when, when she had this pregnancy out of wedlock at a time when that wasn't an acceptable lifestyle choice as it might be in society today. Even though God prophesied about that centuries before, who would have thought Mary? And who would have believed Mary going, well, you know, it was the Holy Spirit that did it. Give me a break. So Mary went around with a shame and, and Joseph was going to dismiss her quietly until God spoke to him in a dream. And then Jesus was born in a stable and not a palace in this place, Bethlehem. Even that was prophesied about centuries before. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are of old from ancient times. That's a, a prophecy pointing forward to the birth of Jesus Christ in Bethlehem. And of course, Herod tried to kill Jesus. They had to flee to Egypt. Again, that was prophesied about centuries before in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 15. This is what the Lord says. A voice is heard in Ramah, mourning with great weeping, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because her children are no more. There's a prophecy about the way that Herod slayed all the young children under two years of age. And so I guess we've been looking at all these things the last few weeks on the program. And I remember the first time I began to take a cold, hard look at the Christmas story. You know, the realities, the history. I was a bit disappointed. I mean, somehow, I wanted to keep that idealised pantomime view of Christmas, the cutesy Mary, Joseph, donkey, baby in a manger thing. I mean, we like to idealise things. You know, when Hollywood makes a movie out of a true story, they embellish things. You know, they, we like to do that. But Christmas isn't a pantomime. The, the true story of Christmas, of, of Jesus' birth, is about hardship, about pressure, about discomfort, about danger. I mean, Mary was on a donkey for a week or two heading to Bethlehem for the census in the last weeks of her pregnancy. That would have been fun. And then she gave birth to Jesus in a smelly, grotty stable surrounded by animals. What a place to give birth to a child. And then Herod massacred all these infants and, and Joseph and Mary and Jesus were fleeing for their lives down to Egypt. This is the Christmas that Jesus chose for himself, the Son of God who always existed. I mean, John tells us in the first verse of the first chapter of John's Gospel, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And then down in verse 14, and then the Word became flesh. So, here is Jesus, the eternal son, who could choose the time, the place, and the circumstances for his birth on this earth. And as much as I mourned the passing of the cute Christmas pantomime in my heart, when you start to get down and dirty with the reality of Christmas, for me, it was like opening up the message in a bottle. It's like God sent this message from heaven, washed up on a beach, I find the bottle, I stoop down, I open it, I discover what's really inside. See, for me, sticking with just the pantomime is like taking that bottle up off the beach and, and putting it on a shelf and looking at it with a warm glow saying, yeah, you know, I know what that message is. It's a, it's a cute pantomime. I don't have to open it. But opening the bottle, reading the message of Christmas, discovering the gritty reality, for me, you know what it says in big letters? God became one of us. Your life, my life, they're not pantomimes. 
They're not some cutesy story. There's a tough reality to life. Sure, there are joys and delights, but there's also this gritty reality. Most of us, we don't live in a palace. Most of us, we're just ordinary everyday people with ordinary everyday lives, with the challenges and the pressures and the losses and the hurts. So many people live scarred lives. So many people live lives where they're lost. So many people live their lives wandering aimlessly around. Why am I here? Where, where am I headed? What's this life all about? And it's one thing for God from a distance to say, well, here are the answers. That's one thing. But just at the right time, God becomes a man. The message, the word, becomes flesh, one of us. Now, theologians talk about the incarnation. Me, For me, it's just God became one of us, like you and me. Christmas is a great time, but, but what of the Christmas story can we carry around in our hearts every day of the year, 24 by 7? What of Christmas makes a real difference in our lives when Christmas is done and dusted, when the season is over? Well, for me, it's the fact that God became one of us. We're going to unpack that a bit more after this break. Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. Life can be hard work some days, and as that daily grind just kind of grinds away at us, it's easy to forget that Jesus died and rose again to give us victory. That's why I'd love to send you a short text message of encouragement straight to your phone, just as the Spirit leads, perhaps even when you least expect it. That's what Victory SMS is all about. Roughly every other week, I ask the Lord, what word of encouragement could I give to you today? So if you'd like the occasional bit of encouragement to help you live your life in victory, then head across to victorysms.org and when you do subscribe, you'll immediately receive a free copy of my ebook, Power Unlimited. Thousands of people already have. And the most common response? Oh, that's exactly what I needed to hear today. How did you know that? Thank you so much. It's simply amazing how powerfully the Spirit of God can move through just a short text message. And I'd love to encourage you too to live your life in victory. Again, that web address is victorysms.org. Okay, let's head straight back into the Word of God. Let's pick up for a moment on the reality and the normality of Jesus' entry into this world. He was the Son of God. We saw that before. I mean, John in John's Gospel makes it clear. Jesus just wasn't created on the day he was born. Jesus is the eternal Son of God. And yet, on that night in Bethlehem, he became the Son of Man, one of us. In fact, that's how Jesus most frequently referred to himself. He almost never said, Son of God. He mostly said, son of man. He was both. But most people, you ask them, was he more like God or more like us? Most people would say, well, I know that in Jesus God became human. But at the end of the day, he's still God. So really, he's not like us. I guess that's a natural reaction. Jesus is the son of God. No, he didn't sin. He was and remains perfect. 
And so if we look at Jesus like that, in a sense, it doesn't help us on our journey. Jesus was perfect, and he he said some tough things about judging other people and loving our enemies, and and murder begins in the heart, and you commit adultery if you just look at a woman the wrong way, all that stuff. And you can come to the conclusion, well, you know something, I can't live up to all that stuff, so I feel condemned. And therefore, Jesus isn't good news at all. The fact that God became a man doesn't help me at all. A few weeks ago, at the beginning of this series, we looked at the shepherd heart of God, and in particular, the the beautiful verses in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 11 and 12, where God says to Israel, I will put my dwelling place in your midst, and I will not abhor you. I will walk among you, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Please understand how radical that is. It is totally contrary to all the other gods that all the other nations worshipped. Their concept was, by and large, of appeasing the gods so that they wouldn't be punished. You went and worshipped gods and idols in temples up on hills. But here, the God of Israel is a God of relationship with his people on their journey, in their midst. And as we saw before, John chapter 1, verse 14, And then the Word became flesh and dwelt in our midst, literally tabernacled among us, like God tabernacled or had a tent with Israel on the Exodus. So John says, God came and dwelt with us through Jesus. Christmas is Jesus getting on our journey with us. And one of the most beautiful explanations of that for me is to be found in Hebrews chapter 4. If you've got a Bible, flick it open. Go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. The picture here the writer of Hebrews is using is of Jesus as our high priest. You know, the high priest used to go into the temple on one day of the year, right into the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur, and, and take a sacrifice for people's sin. And so that's why the writer uses this term, the high priest. And he says, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted and tested in every way, just as we are, yet he was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, it says here, Jesus was not just in heaven. That's natural. He's the Son of God. But he is able to sympathize and empathize with all the stuff we go through. Why? Not just because he's God, but because he has been through every trial and every temptation and every hurt, every disappointment that we ever have been or we will ever travel through. He's walked on those long, dusty roads. I challenge you to read one of the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke or John, end to end in one session like a story. Not all chopped up the way we sometimes do, but end to end. And just look at what he experienced, how people treated him, what they said about him, how often they misunderstood him. Only take you a couple of hours. And it's really worth doing. Curl up with a good cup of coffee and read a good book, the good book. And as you read about all the stuff he went through, put yourself in his shoes. And we begin to understand what he felt. At Christmas, God steps out of heaven and into history. It's exactly what he does for us. He steps into our shoes, our reality, our experiences firsthand, every trial, every temptation that we go through. He knows because he's God. He knows 
because he's man. And therefore, because of his humanity, because he's been through it all, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Therefore, because he became a man, because he's experienced what we're going through, we can go to him with boldness and confidence and approach the throne of grace, a boldness that arises not of who we are or what we do, a boldness that arises out of the central fact of Christmas, that the Son of God became the Son of Man. Because of that, we can be confident that he understands and that we'll find and receive mercy and grace just at the right time in our need. And the whole point of mercy and grace is that they can't be mercy and grace unless we don't deserve them. If we deserved them, they wouldn't be mercy and grace. But we can be bold about them anyway. Can I tell you something? That's a Christmas message worth carrying around in my heart for every day of the year, not just the 25th of December. Jesus gets it not just because he's God, he knows everything of course, but because he became one of us and walked a mile or two in our shoes. That is something to warm our hearts every day of the year. But there's one other thing, a really important thing about our future, about our inheritance that comes out of Christmas. And I'm going to share that with you after this break. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. The love that God has for you, whatever you have going on in your life at the moment, however challenging things may be, is something that words can't describe. And sadly, all too often, we can completely lose sight of the enormity of that love, His love. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of my latest life application booklet, The Shepherd Heart of God, at this special time of year. And with the life application questions at the end of each chapter, you'll be able to drink in that love right in the midst of all that you have going on in your life. Because God's Word is alive and active. Amen? So I'm praying that He'll help you experience the enormity of His love for you through this booklet. You can request your free copy right now. Just stop by at ChristianityWorks.com or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 and we'll send it straight out to you in the post. But this is the very last week that it'll be available, so don't miss out. Again, that's ChristianityWorks.com or 1-300-722-415. Right, let's head back now into God's Word. Now there's one other thing, a really important thing that I want to share with you about Christmas today. Again, it's a sign of Christmas that you and I can carry around in our hearts every day of the year for the rest of our lives here on this earth. Before the break, we looked at Christmas where Jesus becomes one of us, the thing that the theologians call the incarnation. He gets it. He understands our circumstances because he's walked in our shoes. And God's word says that we should place our confidence in that, that when we're struggling, when we're made a blunder, when we're just finding it hard, to come boldly before the throne of grace because Jesus has walked in our shoes and he understands. That's fantastic. And it's for here and now. But there's also a really important thing for the future that we get out of Christmas. And that is hope. 
hope is such an important thing. Something to hope for in the future. A certain hope, not a kind of uncertain hope like I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow or I hope I win the lotto or, you know what I mean? A certain hope. Because without hope, life is hopeless. We've all experienced that sense of of lostness and hopelessness from time to time. And for some people, it's a place where they seem to live almost permanently. Well, it's not meant to be that way. Have a listen to what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 15. He's writing about God's love for us through Jesus Christ. And if you have a Bible, go there. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. He writes this, For you didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption. And by him we cry, Abba, Dad. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirits that we are God's children. Now, if we're his children, then we're his heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. See, Jesus became one of us. Yes, he's the Son of God, God the Son, but just as he is the Son of God, we are children of God, joint heirs with Jesus. That's a hard idea to get our minds around because if we think, well, Jesus is so different to us because he's the Son of God, we miss the point. Jesus was a little baby that came into this world just like you and I did. He slipped into this world, he he cried, and, and he was just like you and me. He was born, he, he lived, he struggled, he ministered, he died, he rose again, and now he's with the Father in heaven, and he's gone ahead of us, and we inherit what he inherits. The Apostle Peter puts it like this in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to God and our Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, because in his great mercy he's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are protected by God's power. It's an inheritance that's being kept for us. And it comes from the fact that we are joint heirs with Jesus. Jesus was the one that went to the cross for us. He's the one that rose again, and he purchased that inheritance for us on the cross. That inheritance is there waiting for us, safer than anything we can imagine. The reason I've called this program Christianity Works is because I believe that it does. I believe that faith in Jesus Christ changes our lives. It works. It it makes our lives better. It means that God gets in and deals with problems that we can't deal with. But you know what the risk of that is? The risk is we focus just on the here and now. But God calls us to live with eternity in mind. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because in his great mercy he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, being kept in heaven for you. God is saying, lift up your eyes. Look at eternity. Look at what I've prepared for you. You are a joint heir with Jesus. Jesus is the firstborn among many, and he's risen from the dead, and we get to spend eternity with him 
in delight and worship and rest and peace and no sickness or tears or poverty. We are co-heirs of that in Christ. That's all part of God's plan for Christmas. Jesus became one of us to make us joint heirs with him. Christmas is an awesome message. It is like a message in a bottle. When the word became flesh, when, when Jesus was washed up on the sands of time as one of us, Jesus is God's message. That's why the Bible calls him the word of God. Jesus is God speaking to us in a language that we can understand. And what a wondrous message. Help for today and hope for tomorrow. Compassion and understanding and mercy and grace for today because Jesus has walked in our shoes. And so we can be confident in that because of the fact that he knows firsthand, but also joint heirs with Christ for all eternity. Christmas, what an amazing message, a message in a bottle. And I want to encourage you, don't take Christmas and put it back in the cupboard with the Christmas decorations just to kind of trot it out in 12 months' time. Don't do that. The message of Christmas is that God the Son became one of us and he walked the dusty roads of the Holy Land and experienced everything that you and I experience. He knows what we're going through and he's purchased an eternal hope. This Christianity Works program is sharing the powerful, practical Word of God with so many people in over 160 countries around the world. But that's only made possible through the generous support of friends just like you. Each dollar that you give today will grow to reach nearly 3,000 people with a gospel message. Incredible! That means that a gift today of just $35 can touch over 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift of support to Christianity Works today. Securely online at ChristianityWorks.com or by calling 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, two things. Firstly, don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet that I've been telling you about. It's only available for a limited time, so don't miss out. Secondly, we would love to pray for you. Absolutely. Just click on the powerful prayer tile at the bottom of the homepage. Again, that's all at ChristianityWorks.com or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.